You're listening to Blossoming Technologist, a podcast for young professionals in tech, discovering skills, careers, and tips for being in the tech industry. I'm your host, Marissa, and today we're joined by Jai Bagat. Jai is a UI engineer working on Nomad, a flexible container orchestrator. He is a bootcamp grad and is currently building a free course to help fellow bootcamp grads who are struggling to get hired. In today's interview, we're talking about how to get a job as a software engineer after a coding bootcamp, and we'll cover things from what a bootcamp is to how to choose the right one and what the job search is like. Jai, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. And hello, everyone that's listening. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. As always, we're going to jump into our very first question, which is what first got you interested in the tech industry? I think for me, getting involved in the tech industry, it was like it's a similar story that a lot of folks have where you're kind of the the guy or gal who, when folks have a computer issue, they always tend to want to lean in on you and ask you for help. And so that that was like my my start into like having my interest. My first job coming out of school was being a money manager, and I remember one of our clients was very well known in the industry, and he had this quote where he said, everyone's talking about disruption right now. That was like the very big word in 2014, disruption. And everyone was trying to be a disruptor. And he said, there's going to be two sides of that coin. There's going to be disruptive innovation, and there's going to be disruptive destruction. And then he asked the question, said, which side of the coin are you on? And that really got me thinking because I started seeing that there were robo-advisors that were coming on to the market and they were charging one one hundredth of what traditional firms were charging. I think about that for a second. That really can upend the whole industry. And so I didn't think that I was going to be capable of learning how to code. So I ended up getting my first job doing sales at a SaaS company. SaaS is software as a service. And I remember seeing that even then, I was still so expendable where in the sales development representative role, as well as the account executive role at SaaS companies, my company, which is a unicorn company that is planning to go public, was regularly doing layoffs of like 10% every month. And even I saw in the whole industry, there wasn't even like a, a VP of sales that had a tenure of 18 months or longer, those folks, like even at the highest end of the chain, were having such heavy churn. So then I decided that I really need security and stability into my life. And I ended up learning how to code. And it was actually very accessible because I was able to go to a coding boot camp. Wow, that's super cool, especially hearing how you kind of were in a career where you saw the power of tech and saw that that could be like a reliable position to be in. Were there any other options you were considering when you were like, oh, actually, I don't want to be in sales? Or was tech just like the natural place where you felt like you wanted to go? I think I really could have done anything. Look, looking back retrospectively, I think 
I probably should not have gone into the sales development representative role at a SaaS company, although I ended up making the president's club and I got amazing opportunities. I realized that that wasn't a great opportunity to build relationships over the long term that would make me valuable as I got older. And so other options that I think are still totally viable are any type of sales, like sales that require relationships. So selling suits, selling luxury watches like at the Rolex store or Richard Mill. I think those opportunities are still absolutely phenomenal, despite the fact that you're not directly involved with technology. Those industries are timeless and you end up building a very good book of relationships that will allow you to continue being valuable. Even if you end up leaving, if you end up selling at Hermes, you will probably end up having so, so many contacts that whatever you decide to do next, is going to be based on your relationship. So I think I would have had a, a relationship focus rather than really try to pursue going into fast growing tech companies just because there's so much volatility. So if for someone like me who's really looking for security and stability, I think that there there's still so, so many different options that are out there and available, especially today, where even in our Ship 30 for 30 cohort, I see folks who are making an entire business out of just helping other companies with Zapier integrations and showing them all the different things that they can do or being the type of person who can be an executive assistant and then end up having a business of all these different executive assistants. There's so many different things you can do with technology. So I wouldn't I wouldn't cap yourself by just having a job that's popular and in the zeitgeist. Yeah. So, so cool. For people who don't know, I, I know I've mentioned Ship 30 for 30 on the podcast before because I've had other guests that I met through that cohort, but it is a writing class kind of, yeah, it's a writing class. You write an essay, a mini essay, like an atomic essay every single day for 30 days. And you're with all these people, like, like Jai was saying, who are in all these different careers who just want to write and like put themselves out there. It's such a cool experience. So I just want to throw that in in case people are like, what is Ship 30 for 30? Yeah. But before we go down that whole tangent, I want to focus on boot camps. So today we're here to talk about boot camps. And since some people might not know much about them, before we jump all the way in, can you explain what is a coding boot camp? A uh, coding boot camp is, is one of the great equalizers that have come into society in the last 10 years. Traditionally, what would happen was you need to go do a four-year computer science degree in order to get a job as a software engineer. 10 years ago, coding boot camps started popping up, and they're a variation of a vocational school. Traditionally, coding boot camps are a 12-week intensive program where you may spend anywhere from 60 to 100 hours a week really trying to learn a very specific technology skill. And that's where it differs from a traditional school. A school teaches you how to think. A coding boot camp is telling you there is a need in a specific geographic market or in a specific industry, and we're going to help you acquire the top skills that are needed immediately by these employers. Coding boot camps will appear in a lot of different ways. There's more than 100 coding boot camps in America today. 
And so there are some coding boot camps that are entirely in person, which is how coding boot camps began. There are coding boot camps that are done entirely online. There's coding boot camps that are done in a hybrid model where you spend some time where my coding boot camp was technically 17 weeks, where the first five weeks were a part-time program and then 12 weeks on-site as an intensive. And then there are also on-demand on-demand coding boot camps as well, like Launch School, where you will just pay $200 a month and over the course of two years, you'll get the education of a software engineer. And I think that that covers what a coding bootcamp is and how it differs from a school where a school gives you a degree that certifies your ability to think. A coding bootcamp is preparing you for a vocation. And what makes it different than you might see a lot of commercials for these vocational schools in your local market where they're helping folks become a plumber or an HVAC technician. This is a vocational school that will hopefully help you get hired as a software engineer, potentially at a venture-backed startup company. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And I love that you gave the difference between a computer science degree and going to a boot camp because I am from that more traditional background of getting a computer science degree. And I don't think when I did it, I realized how theoretical the degree is, but I graduated college and knew like Java and maybe some Python. And that was it. And I, I have a whole story I could tell about that. We're not going to go into that. But I didn't know like things like JavaScript, which is what I really like. And now that I'm in my job, I'm like, man, I wish I had gotten more hands-on knowledge about something like JavaScript. So I think it's so cool how hands-on boot camps are, and they really prepare you for the actual job that you're going to have. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, what common misconceptions do people have about boot camps? There, I have a laundry <laughs> list that I've written down. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first thing is a job guarantee. You going to a coding boot camp does not guarantee that you're going to be in demand and you will be hired at the end of it. That's one thing. The number two thing, everyone will not get a high paying job as advertised on the website. Number three, everyone will not end up working in technology. A lot of people will end up working at an agency or someone else that has a different type of need. After 12 weeks of a coding boot camp or whatever that, that milestone is, you'll have to keep learning because that's where it is different, where in order for me to continue being relevant in the marketplace, I need to continue learning new skills or I need to get deeper into engineering concepts. So whereas Marissa was talking about like, oh, hey, like for the immediate job, let's say you're going to go be a web developer, knowing JavaScript would be super valuable for helping you market to the immediate needs. But then once you start to say, hey, well, now we have a larger problem to solve in the application. Maybe we need to, we need to provide real-time data and that's going to require you to work with WebSockets. And now the coding bootcamp didn't teach you about how to understand that. Or you might be right now, I'm working, I, I work a lot with distributed systems and creating a dashboard for that. That requires me to go deeper into the computer science understanding of things and try to understand what these different concepts are, 
why does latency matter for for my end user? Why do why do these concepts apply? And then I have to do a lot of work on my evenings as well as my weekends to stay relevant. And I think one of two more things, or I, th- I think there's three more things in this equation. A lot of folks will say, if I just work hard, then I'll be fine. I won't be one of the nightmare stories that comes out of a coding boot camp. And I think that that I don't think that's the right mindset because you need to know that when you come out of a coding boot camp, one of your biggest jobs is going to be to know how to sell yourself and network effectively. That because winners and losers have the same goals. So like the person who gets hired immediately after coding boot camp and the person who struggles to find a job for a year, or maybe even there were a there's a large number of people from my boot camp cohort who went back to their previous careers because they they ended up giving up after a while. Knowing how to sell yourself is going to be super important. The second thing I want to talk about is that there are other options. I know that right now your listeners might be someone who's currently in college, a postgrad, or maybe even someone that's in, in their late 20s. And depending on what it is that you're looking for from life, if you want immediate security and stability and you do not have a lot of cash right now, Within a matter of three weeks, you can get certified to be a Salesforce administrator and have and go make $80,000. And that will do you better than most coding boot camps. And you'll be able to immediately get security and stability. If you're someone who is very good at interpersonal skills, you can be a client success manager at one of these startup companies. And you can start building relationships with 30 companies at a time in a growing industry. So there are so many different opportunities that are available right now. Coding bootcamp should not be the first and only option that you look at. It should really be based on what it is out of life that you're looking for and what season of your career that you're currently in. And the last thing, coding bootcamp curriculums and pricing. I have a very short list of coding boot camps out of the, because I've looked at the majority of the 100 coding boot camps in America. I have at scale worked with hundreds of coding boot camp grads, and I personally worked with about 60 coding boot camp grads to get them hired. And one of the things that I would say is like, don't just think the price of the coding boot camp is going to get you the, the same thing. And don't think that because two coding boot camps have the same curriculum, that you're going to have the same outcome. You really have to vet a coding boot camp. You really have to deeply vet them. You don't want to get into their own marketing machine. You need to know how to independently use your own judgment and know what's going to be right for you. Oh my goodness. Okay. I had to take some notes because (laughs) those were such good misconceptions that people have. And I want to dig into at least like one, maybe two of them. So you said that going to a boot camp doesn't necessarily translate into a job. Why do you think this is a misconception that people have about boot camps that you'll get a job immediately after doing one? That's because the marketing says you will, right? The, The marketing says, hey, come here for 12 weeks, you'll get a salary of $90,000. Now, the important thing to notice here is that who's telling you this information? So before I became a money manager, I took a class in college over two semesters. And it was a professor who 
And I wasn't part of this special cohort where he took 10, 10 kids from the business school and allowed them to manage a million dollar portfolio. He let me into the course because I built a relationship with him and he's a fantastic money manager. He taught me so many good life values and lessons on how to think using like mental models from Charlie Munger. And one of the things that we talk about is that if you walk into a butcher shop and and I say, hey, man, look, like I'm, I'm, a, lot, I'm a little bit sick and I'm feeling down. The first thing he's going to do is say, hey, I have this bison, it, but <laughs> all this meat has really good vitamin D. Vitamin D is linked to making sure that you don't, you don't feel depressed. And then it's also going to help your immune system in this way. And the moral of the story is when you go to a butcher, every answer is going to be selling you meat. And that's <laughs> the thing. And so the, the greater lesson here is when you show some, once you find out someone's incentives, then you're going to find out what their actions are going to be. The coding bootcamp only has the incentive of filling up their enrollment because they're a for-profit business. So that's an important thing. So you want to make sure as someone who might be in college, someone who's in postgrad or someone in their late 20s, you want to make sure that you create your own board of advisors. And this can be your parents because they gave you birth and they raised you if you were lucky <laughs> enough to have that opportunity. Your, your sibling, because my, my older sister is the one who sat me down and said, no, 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 no. We're not doing any of this crazy stuff. You need security and stability and you need that right now. And she, she was right. Cut, cut that part out. I don't want to say my sister was right. I'm just joking. Um, and, uh, Note to the editor, keep that in. <laughs> right. And so you want to you build a board of advisors, some of your friends, old coworkers, previous managers, professional contacts, and then you want to start triangulating what it is that they're saying based on how they know you as a person. And if you start to triangulate and they start to say, hey, Based on what I know about you, that, that does make sense. You should try doing something like that. You're going to start to find out that although they're not connected in the industry, they're going to help you triangulate that decision. And having that sounding board is super important to make sure to have rather than just falling into someone's marketing funnel. Yeah. And I think it's also important how you mentioned there's a hundred or so boot camps in the US. And every single one is going to try to sell it to you the same way. So if you're thinking about doing a boot camp and you come across one, don't just stop at one, like look at other boot camps and figure out which one fits your needs. Like you said, because like they're all going to do the same kind of marketing and make you think you need this program. This is the one for you. Cause that's the kind of words that they use to sell stuff. Like I've, I mean, I've bought stuff before because people use marketing like that. Yeah. And so there's one resource that there, because there's a hundred coding boot camps in America, and because we have heard of different stories of a moral hazard or asymmetric risk, where like an easy example is you might go to a car dealership, you buy a car, and then it's a much different car than what you thought you were being sold. That's a lemon. And as a result, there are lemon laws. In coding boot camps, there are no current lemon laws. However, coding boot camps do realize that 
they that they do need to make sure that they differentiate themselves. So there is the Council on Integrity in Results Reporting, CIRR. So you can go to CIRR.org and they have data that is not just reported by coding boot camps, but it is audited by a third party independent accounting firm. Very similar to how financial statements from a business that's listed in a public stock exchange, we trust those numbers because it's audited by that third party accounting firm. This is one way that we can do this. It's very shameful, but originally there were probably like more than 20% of coding boot camps in America were participating in a program like this. Now, even the original coding boot camps who created this council have all dropped out of it. I think the only coding boot camps that were there from the beginning are CodeSmith and I think also Turing School are still both following the same process for properly reporting what results, that the, that the reports are actually accurate. Because I can tell you right now from the hundreds of people that I've spoken to where the coding boot camp is saying, oh, hey, average salary is 90. And I will tell you, the median from what I know talking to those graduates is 60 or less. And not only that, but the folks are not even getting the median, the median person is not even getting the web developer job title. So these are things to definitely keep in mind really, really heavily vet a coding bootcamp. Okay, one more question about this before we move on to another question, because I know I have so many things to ask. When someone is vetting a coding bootcamp, besides that website that you shared, what other avenues should they go to? Because my first thought is like finding people on LinkedIn and connecting to people. Is that a good way? Are there other ways you recommend? I think there are three things you should do before you even get to that stage. Number one, you want to audit your strengths. And I'll double click into each of these. Number two, you want to start making small investments and you want to progressively increase. And number three, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your outcomes. So we can double click into all of these before we get there. So number one is auditing your strengths. I highly recommend that you, there's four personality tests that are, that I recommend. There's Myers-Briggs. There is the DISC profile. There's also the Golden Personality Profile. And there is the Principles U Assessment made by Ray Dalio. The challenges with the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator, as well as the DISC profile with MBTI, Myers-Briggs, that has a challenge with when you retake the test, you will often get different results. So I would recommend if you're currently a college student going to your career center, there's probably someone certified on staff that will be able to help you. And if you are a college graduate, because you're an alumni of your university, you will probably still be able to access all the amazing resources of your university and get access to someone who will be able to administer a test and then tell you, give you more insights about how this applies to you. Then for the DISC profile, the challenge with that is that it's highly situational where I may behave a particular type of way at work because you might fall into a category because of being an underrepresented minority. And that might mean that you're code switching from 
being in a professional environment versus being more relaxed at home, or maybe even in a different circle or a different industry where you're more accepted because there's more people that look like you. So that's something to keep in mind about the DISC profile. I strongly recommend the principles you assessment because it is free. And this is going to tell you how you work with other people, how you think, and how you react when you're stressed out. Once you have a good idea of what your strengths are, the thing to keep in mind is that it is so much easier to go from being a B to an A than it is from being than going from a D to a C. And that's just because you're already good at this one area. So why not continue to improve it? So if you're already very strong with interpersonal skills, it may make sense for you to pursue a career as a client success manager or even being a project manager, a technical project manager, rather than forcing yourself to try to become a software engineer. If it's the case where you're the type of person who does not really care to pay too much attention to detail or you don't like to sit in silence for for long periods of time. So then the, the next thing is small investments. And now with small investments, you want to go as far as you can without permission. Coding bootcamp is usually $20,000 and that requires permission because the majority of us just don't have $20,000 lying around. And if you do, maybe you might have a partner and they, they may have some opinions about you using $20,000 lying around. So ideally start with what is already free. So start with what's free, but what's also not a very big time commitment. So you can start at a place like Free Code Camp and then see if you can stick with it for three weeks where you say, hey, for three weeks, all I'm going to do, I'm not going to spend 20 hours a week doing this because you're going to burn out. But just say, hey, Monday and Tuesday nights, those are going to be my nights to do Free Code Camp. Can I stick with it for a month? Oh, wow. I, I was able to stick with it for a month. You know what the next thing I'll do is? I'll go into the city tonight and I'll go to a tech event. And again, that's still pretty free to do, but it's very taxing to go to an event like that because you have to travel, you have to stay up late. If you get past that and you're still rocking and rolling, then you might say, okay, well, coding boot camps have a preparatory course. I can spend $300 in a prep course. Oh, great. I passed that. Now, the next thing, let me see if I can make a calculator app. Oh, I. I ended up making that. All right, cool. Well, now maybe what I'll do is I'll say, now I'm ready to say, okay, now my my next investment is going to be, I will go on LinkedIn and I'll I'll dedicate three weeks to trying to find enough coding coding bootcamp grads to network with. And now what you're doing is your investments are compounding up until the point where you are now confident to say, all right, if I spend $20,000, I'm super confident that I'm going to 5x that return on investment because I know that this is the right thing for me. You're eliminating that downside risk by making these more of these investments by increasing your time horizon and in some cases spending money to take different preparatory courses from different coding boot camps to see do you like the culture of the boot camp? Do you like the instructors? Do you like the alumni? Can you build relationships with those alumni? And by starting slow, you're going to go a lot faster later on. And you will probably leapfrog a lot of people who started a year or two ahead of you. 
And then the last, the last area is going to be the quality of your questions determines the quality of your outcomes. So you want to ask deep, meaningful questions like, when was the last time that your curriculum was updated and reviewed by a software engineering manager in the industry? That's a high quality question because now you're not only are you asking, hey, did you update the curriculum? But number two, is it being reviewed by real hiring managers? Cool. And now I can have a conversation and I'm going to use my bullshit detection skills to find out if you're lying to me. And the reason why I mentioned this is that till this day, I only know one coding boot camp that has up, updated their curriculum to properly teach React hooks. And there are still coding boot camps that are not teaching React hooks. And as a quick segue, coding boot camps predominantly in America are web development boot camps. So a web development boot camp is creating web applications. So if you go to google.com, you go to facebook.com, that is a web application, and you're creating a user interface. React is a library that helps web developers create beautiful user interfaces. And a couple of years ago, they changed how we write, how we write applications in React, going from a previous model that was class-based, that was rooted more so in object-oriented programming, to now being much more, to having a much more functional programming paradigm, which revolves, which, which involves using these hooks that have their own life cycles that are injected into the components that we use. So it completely changes the paradigm. And code, there's so many coding boot camps that are still not updating their curriculum to teach this. And when they are, they're still not teaching this properly in a way that's going to help folks get hired. And this is where I see a lot of people being hung up on. Which I think is so interesting because if you think back to at the beginning of this episode, you talked about the difference between getting a computer science degree and going to a boot camp. When you get a computer science degree, it's very similar in that a lot of the curriculum is years behind the industry. But you would hope with a boot camp, which is more in line with the industry and more in touch with like what is needed right now, you would hope it's in line with exactly what's going on in a day-to-day job. So that's really disappointing to hear that they like don't update that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I almost have to bid you back on your university perspective because as I'm progressing in my career, in order for me to get a promotion to go from junior to mid and then from mid to senior, I need to go back and understand what solid principles are because the reason why, so as a, as a software engineer, we all work in teams. And imagine you're working on a giant Google Doc for a 70-page essay. And before someone can change a paragraph, we have a review process. That's called a pull request. In order to make sure that my paragraph can be merged into the essay that we're all sharing together, that big 70-page essay, and it's going to flow properly, it needs to match certain standards because I don't, because originally I didn't understand object oriented programming, functional programming, solid principles that held me back. And that really can hurt your performance. And then that can lead to a lot of junior engineers being fired even after they get the job. So 
that's a worthwhile thing to notice. So I think for being a true software engineer, I think you do need to know, really do need to know how to think. Now, if you're working, if you're going to a particular agency that's churning out landing pages, then I think, and you're going into that WordPress ecosystem, I think that is, that is much more of a vocation that I think coding boot camps could totally feasibly do in 12 weeks. But the challenge is, is that they're selling you on being a software engineer, whereas a lot of folks are ending up getting those types of jobs that I just mentioned, rather than be becoming a software engineer or a web developer that's working on super hard, complex problems. Because in order to do that, you do need to have really good foundations, yeah. in my opinion. I'm- now, that, that may not be true for everyone. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I think, I feel like it's easy from us talking so much about boot camps and how cool they are. It's like, oh, wait, there's actually like other stuff you should know and other stuff you still need to learn to become a developer and continue rising in your career as a software engineer. Yeah. Another question of, of, about these boot camp programs. I know you've mentioned a few that are on that website. Are there any boot camp programs that you do recommend? Of course, with the caveat that people should figure out what is best yes. for them. You're probably going to say that. Did I get you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every everyone has to research what's right for you. So there's two coding boot camps that I recommend with all my heart. One is called CodeSmith. That's run by Will Sentinence. What is amazing is that Will is a coding bootcamp grad himself, and he he actually recommended me for me to go ahead and buy this book, How to Teach Adults. So, what what's really cool about Will is that not only have him and the team at CodeSmith, and I did not go to CodeSmith, but I do owe the best advice that I got my job search due to Phil Troutman, who's on staff at CodeSmith. I can talk more about that story, but I love their curriculum. I love the culture that they made at the school where it is a very inclusive culture. However, it really forces strong technical communication combined with extremely good problem solving. So I think the curriculum that they made is absolutely incredible. However, it is an intensive coding bootcamp. And so if you're someone who maybe late in life you were diagnosed with ADHD and you still haven't developed the right tool set to know how to excel to excel in intense environments, maybe you need to ask the right types of questions when you're evaluating another bootcamp. So another coding bootcamp I strongly recommend is called Rhythm, R-I-T-H-M. What's really cool about that coding bootcamp is that their prep course is free and it's a two week prep course where it's not an on demand one. They will pair with you. Their curriculum is open source. And because a lot of coding bootcamps do raise venture money, the smart thing that they did is they went to they went to the companies that they raised venture venture money from and said, if your portfolio companies want some help, our coding bootcamp grads will do real real work during their time at the coding bootcamp. And then that gives you more than a portfolio where you made some CRUD app that is like the e-commerce application. You have code that is merged into production and it has to go through those standards, like making sure that it's tested and it's going to be maintainable code. And you worked with a senior software engineer and you had to deal with that feedback. 
And there was one project that I saw that blew me away from that school where someone was building a blog and in their server, I read that they included some logic to make sure that a bad actor could not spam the comment section. And I was like, wow, you did that for, you did that for a project and you knew how to, you knew how to do that. It's like, (laughs) there's mid-level software engineers that, that don't do that. I'll also give a recommendation to launch school. That's an on-demand coding bootcamp. I think they charge, uh, two or $300 a month. And if you don't have that type of money, they do have a deferred payment program. I think it's super accessible. One of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn, I think is Sonny. He works at, at Digital Ocean. I found out that he he's a graduate of that school. And instead of focusing solely on web development, they do focus fully on software engineering as a whole, which I think makes them a different school. And then an honorable mention to App Academy and Hack Reactor. I think those are two coding boot camps that have been around for the last decade. They've stood the test of time and they have extremely strong brand equity. Awesome. I love how you have a ranking (laughs) of all these boot camps. And that's really helpful, especially for people who might be looking for a boot camp and just want a place to start to start that comparison and figuring out their values. I know we've talked a lot about the difference between like getting a degree versus going to a boot camp, but we haven't talked as much about being self-taught versus going to a boot camp. Can you maybe explain the benefits of going to a boot camp versus going down that self-taught route? Yeah, I think that the purpose of a school or coding boot camp is to give you a credential to for that school to say hey, you've hired, you've hired our previous students, you've seen what type of quality they are, because maybe now they're speaking at conferences, they're getting engineering manager roles, potentially starting companies. And now we're into more than a decade of coding bootcamps. So some folks have even gone on to become CTO after be, being a, a coding bootcamp grad. So credential is super important. Number two, a certification. Because that coding bootcamp is now saying, I certify that you've done this. Number three is they give you training. And the way that training is done for coding bootcamps is that during your time there, you are going to consistently one or two times a day, if not more, be working on a hands-on lab where you're going to be creating many, many applications, maybe two to 500 lines of code multiple times a day. And then on a regular basis, every few weeks, there will be some type of checkpoint where you'll create a more intermediate type of application. We're going to start to put your knowledge together in an application that might be 500 to 1000 lines of code. And then at the end of that time, you're going to do a capstone project. And that is going to be a project that's that's probably going to be more than a 1000 lines of code. And you're going to put all of your knowledge together. And so that type of training where you're going to be learning very fast, regularly doing hands-on labs to close that knowledge gap, that helps a lot because if you're just going another route, how often are you going to be doing something like that? And then it also gives you a cohort of people that you're going to have that experience with. So that's number four is experience. And 
You're going to be able to share that experience with the alumni of your coding boot camp who they're going to be in the industry and they're going to be able to tell you about opportunities before they become available. They're going to vouch for you and that that's really going to help you out. Yeah. I didn't think about that alumni network, but I can imagine that's super helpful, especially since a lot of companies do have referral programs and they can probably refer you to the companies that they work for, who they know already accept bootcamp grads as employees. That is awesome. So that's actually like a perfect segue into my next question, getting a job after graduating from a bootcamp. So for you, like, how did your bootcamp experience prepare you for finding a junior dev role? So I think coding bootcamps, they don't teach you about the last part, which is the job hunt. I do think that App Academy has this in their curriculum. I think CodeSmith and, and Hack Reactor do where they have their view on things where I've heard App Academy might say, hey, like, here's how you can go searching on LinkedIn and AngelList. And we think that you should apply to 50 jobs a week. And they'll also teach you negotiation skills. We did not learn that in my coding bootcamp. However, what I do think that bootcamp helped me with is just an opportunity that I saw was that you have all, you have hundreds of alumni and you have LinkedIn as a tool. So the day I graduated, I ran a Boolean search on LinkedIn, which is an advanced type of search. And I made a list of a hundred people that I wanted to network with. And I, once I had that list of people, I said, okay, great. Let me start finding clusters of people who mildly know each other and then build a strong reputation inside of one community. So that led me to starting out by creating a community of people who knew me at Etsy And then those people started telling me about different opportunities that were available in the New York JavaScript community that then led me to finding opportunities that TypeScript is really blowing up in the New York community and the New York startup scene at that time. And by the time I had gotten to that community, I'd already known a decent number of people who were not already, were not currently working together, but previously worked together in the past. And then I was able to use their social credibility to help me. And the way that it ended up working out was that that original person from Etsy who was not in the JavaScript community, was not in the TypeScript community either, had an opportunity that they had heard about that was tied back to someone that was in the TypeScript community who I happen to know three people. And that led me to finding out about a job at my dream company three weeks before the job opening was listed online. I got coffee with the director of engineering almost a month before the role was posted online. I was the first candidate that interviewed and that gave me a serious leg up and I landed my dream job. And I, that alumni network from my first job, I still leverage that to this day. I have so many mentors from, from that first role. So once you know how to had a network properly. And this is what I said in the beginning, you, when you start with the small investments and then you ask good high quality questions and you know that it's your job to know how to sell yourself, you could put all that together. I got, I got a job that paid well over six figures with amazing stock options at a company that was born out of Google as my first job. And mind you, I was in the bottom 10% of my coding bootcamp in terms of 
quality of my code, quality of my of my capstone project. But I really knew how to how to use the thing that I was a B at and become an A at that, which is networking. Oh, that's so awesome. I also want to do a quick, I don't know, shout out or reference to the episode that goes live before this one, episode 35. I interviewed my friend Chloe Belangia, who is basically a LinkedIn expert. And she goes through how to utilize LinkedIn, how to get a job through there, how to utilize alumni network, stuff like that. If someone is listening who wants to know how to better utilize LinkedIn, like I just talked about, go back to that episode two and listen because it is awesome and like so inspiring. Okay. So especially your networking, that is amazing. When you finished your boot camp, was that it? Was that the end of the road? Was there anything else? <laughs> right. So of, of course it's not. A boot camp is just a milestone. And so something that I that I like to reference is it's this Japanese concept called ikigai. And so ikigai is imagine a Venn diagram, but there are four circles. And so in one circle, there's what you're good at. In another circle, there's what you love. There's in another circle, there's what the world needs. And then in the fourth circle, that's what you can be paid for. When you're going to a coding boot camp, assuming that you didn't do any, you didn't do any self-study prior to going to coding boot camp, you're going to fall into two of the circles of what the world needs and a skill that you can be paid for. That is a vocation. But the two things that you're going to be missing are going to be doing something you love because you still may not love coding yet. And you honestly don't have to. Like it is you get paid and then you can go home like that. That's it. You don't have to love it. And then there's being good at it. A coding boot camp does not guarantee that you're going to be good at it. But now the challenge is. When you're missing either of those things, if you're missing it in, if you're missing love, then you're going to feel empty inside. If you're missing being good at it, you don't have the feeling of security and stability. So depending on which feeling that after you graduate and have that milestone, you need to figure out, hmm, which feeling do you need in your life? Do you need a feeling of fulfillment or do you need a feeling of security and stability? I think generally when you're unemployed in the United States of America, it is a very scary thing because there's a good chance that you're not getting an unemployment check because you went to a coding boot camp. And so now you have to figure out, well, how am I going to get good at this thing? Because everyone keeps telling me different things. Someone's telling me I need to drop everything and I need to learn next JS. Someone else is saying I immediately need to build something in TypeScript. Someone else is telling me I need to be able to invert a binary tree on a whiteboard. And you're going to get a lot of conflicting advice. And now that you're out of the coding boot camp, you're going to miss a lot of that structure. That's where a lot of people have challenges is they don't know how to structure their day in order and what they need to do in order to get the job. That's where I always try to help folks out when they do reach out to me, if, if that's where, where you are in that process. Yeah, it sounds like you mentioned earlier how boot camps don't really prepare you that much for the job search. So that's something you do to take on, on your own. You have to figure out the networking, have to go through that job search, which anyone who's looked for a job before, I don't think anyone enjoys the job search. It's always a really stressful 
hard time. So yeah, it, it's not the end once you do that. I guess like it's like a boot camp does not equal a job, like you said earlier too. Where it's going full circle here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you wish you had known about the job search before going through it? I think I wish that there were one, two, three, four, five. I wish there were six things that I would have prioritized before my first day of a coding boot camp. And this is actually recommended. This used to be listed on my coding's boot camps website where they would say, hey, before you before you apply, make sure that you've built at least two applications. So like a calculator app and maybe a to-do application, as well as being able to solve medium level algorithm problems. I would say that there's these six things are going to be super important. A solid understanding of functional programming or object-oriented programming before you come in, being able to solve medium level data structures and algorithm problems is going to be another thing that I wish I would have did prior to coming to bootcamp because coding bootcamp isn't really a time where you're going to be going over that. However, you're going to see these problems in almost every single interview. Number four, async JavaScript. So that's asynchronous JavaScript. So this is important for web development bootcamp, which makes up the majority of bootcamps in America and probably every bootcamp that, you know, is marketing to you right now. Promises and JavaScript also tie back into that. And this really means like you've never gone to an application only to not see data that is real time. Like if you went to Twitter and you only saw tweets from yesterday and when you hit refresh, you didn't see new tweets, you would be like, this is not a cool app. That That's what I'm talking about when I say asynchronous JavaScript as well as promises. Higher order functions as well as closures. I think those are two very important concepts that that you should know before coding bootcamp as well. I strongly recommend that for your first day of the immersive, you should feel super confident with this because that led me to feeling like I was always behind when I was in coding bootcamp. And that's why I say I was in the bottom 10%. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that you go to the coding bootcamp's website And you're not really thinking with solid mental models. You have to remember Pareto's principle. 20% of students make up for 80% of the results that the bootcamp's marketing. So if you go to their website, you see people are working at Airbnb and Netflix and Facebook. You're going to say, I can do that too. But you're not realizing that some of those people might be someone who dropped out of their computer science program at the end of their junior year. They already have that knowledge coming in. Or in my case, it was someone who dropped out of their master's in computer science to come to a coding boot camp or someone who someone who already had a lot of connections was previously working in tech. So they already had a list of 20 people to call. So something that's something to keep in mind. The results that you see on the website, results may vary. And results may vary based on how much work you put in before you came to the coding boot camp. Everyone is not starting in an equitable playing field. So don't think that you're going to apply. And just because you have the ability to make it into that next cohort doesn't mean that you should go ahead and pull the trigger and do it. There is value in waiting. Cool. I, I love, first of all, how you like lay that out in very distinct items. You can tell that you've thought through these and... 
itemized it. Like I can, I can see the writer in you because we're both from that writing <laughs> class. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I have another question because I'm, I'm really curious to hear as someone who is a software engineer or others who are my peers who are software engineers, what can we do if we're already in our careers? Maybe we're not even bootcamp grads. What can we do to help bootcamp grads? One thing that I do is... So as a software engineer, after you have a couple years of experience, you will start to notice that you get a lot of unsolicited messages to your personal email, potentially your cell phone, as well as your LinkedIn from recruiters and companies who are reaching out to you. I send all of these companies a message, not because I'm looking in the job hunt, but the fact that I'm seeing that not enough companies are trying to hire someone with zero years of experience. So I will write back in an email to all of them saying, hey, I will only consider companies who are hiring junior software engineers. If I find out that you're the type of company that does not hire junior software engineers, it's going to make me wonder about your culture. It's going to make me wonder about your code quality and and a list of other reasons. And to which more than half of recruiters reply back saying, hey, we'll totally take a look at a junior. Do you have a recommendation? And now what that's given me is that at any given time, I have I know 12 people who are willing to take a chance on a junior software engineer, whereas a lot of coding bootcamp grads are going to say every single job says that they want three to five years of experience. I don't know what to do. Now I have a connection with recruiters and hiring managers and I have all these all these coding bootcamp grads who are DMing me, and once I take a look at their projects or I see that they're consistent, I can put two and two together. So I think that's one very easy templated thing that any software engineer can do because I think we need to get to a point where no one is complaining, saying no one's taking a chance on junior software engineers. I think that that problem is getting out of control. I think another thing that senior mid-level software engineers can do is provide informational interviews. Providing an informational interview is not so that the person can get a job, but that person can start learning the lingo. Once they start learning the lingo and you teach them how to ask a high valuable question, like what big projects and challenges does your team have coming up in the next six months? That will then help them start to understand, oh, these are the types of problems that these companies are solving or trying to solve. Hopefully that will give them insights on how they can tweak their current projects because a lot of times they'll see a coding bootcamp grad feel like they need to drop everything they're doing and go learn Next.js or they need to go learn Remix. And these are frameworks that are built on top of React that many companies are not using in production yet. And so I don't think it makes sense for them to do that. But right now, that's what they see on Twitter. Instead, if they're talking to you or myself, now they might be finding out like, oh, yeah, right now, one of the big things that we're doing is we're going to do a rewrite of our application. And that means that we need to increase our test coverage. And now that coding bootcamp grad can say, oh, hey, instead of writing a brand new application, why don't I... This week, I can just I can write unit test for all of the utility functions that are in my application. And after I do that, I have another senior software engineer who might be able to say, well, you're writing a unit test. 
And that's actually, that's a reasonable thing for me to review. It doesn't take me too much time. I can tell you, like, are you following the correct pattern of arrange, act, assert? And I can teach you a couple things, like, without being too heavy of a load for me. So I think informational interviews, doing targeted code reviews like that, I think can be super, super helpful. Even pointing these folks to very good tech talks that they can watch from the industry, I think that's super helpful. On the other end, if you're someone who's trying to break into the industry and you want to get help from a mid-level to senior software engineer or even an engineering manager, the trick is is that you want, again, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your outcomes. So I think a lot of times right now, coding boot camps are saying, saying, hey, why don't you ask if you can pick someone's brain for 20 minutes? And if you're from the University of Connecticut, if you're from Waterbury, Connecticut, or like you have a personal relationship that I can relate to, you can totally pick my brain. But if you're from a co- if you went to if we both went to the same for-profit institution, that threshold drops. And if you went to a different institution than me, that threshold drops even more. And so you want to figure out how can I ask a question where it's so where it's it's almost like impossible to say no because it just takes that person five to ten seconds. Because the trick for getting a mentor is you want to ask a simple question. If they answer your question, ask them another question that is a little bit more of a lift, and then keep asking them more questions. And eventually they become invested in you. And without you asking them, they become your mentor. So if you're on the other end, instead of asking someone to pick their brain, what you can do is you can say, hey, I'm here's who I am. I'm currently struggling in the job hunt. I saw this about you. Flatter that person. Now ask them and say, hey, look, I'm getting so much conflicting advice. Right now, I'm seeing so many job postings are talking about TypeScript. And I'm wondering, should I really prioritize TypeScript, where I heard this crazy guy on a podcast saying that I should write unit tests in my current application. What do, what do you think is going to be a better idea? Now, that question takes me five seconds to answer. Should you go learn TypeScript or should you do this? Now, I'll give you that answer. Thank them for their answer. And then one week later, even if you're not going to be able to learn TypeScript in a week, so instead you can do a smaller thing saying, hey, I went to the TypeScript documentation page and I watched this talk. I actually thought you you might think that this talk is very interesting because this person is a principal engineer at a similar company to yours and he's talking about this problem in TypeScript. And then you can just close the loop on your communication with that person. And now then later on, you can ask that person for an informational interview And then later on after that, you can start asking that person for introductions and then use their social capital to build yours. So if you're if you're on the other end, that's like that is a proper way of networking. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, this is amazing. I'm like so excited to listen back to this again. I'm I'm glad this is like a recording podcast. One thing about reaching out to people, there's this really good book that I read 
I want to say a year or two ago called Reach Out by Molly Beck. And it talks specifically about this where this woman, she decided to challenge herself and reach out to a new person every single day. And it led to all these opportunities. And it's such a cool concept. I tried to start implementing it, but I never got like too invested into it or too excited about it. It's like when I reach out to people for the podcast, I have to do some cold reach outs and just like try things. Same thing when you're looking for an informational interview, you just reach out to someone and this book gives you strategies similar to what you just talked about to say like, this is what you should say. Here is a template, literally paste this into an email and try it on someone and super helpful for anyone who really wants to improve that networking skill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, tying back to your point, it really is about thinking about have empathy for yourself one year from today. There's whatever emotions you're currently going through. I think anyone who's currently in this process, if you're a junior in college, or maybe you're a sophomore, and you're wondering, how the heck am I going to tell my parents that I'm planning to change my major? Or you're someone who is currently an accountant and you're saying, how am I going to explain this to my friend group? Am I really going to like downgrade my life? Now I, I worked all, all these years. I passed that CPA exam where in my case, I was in my late 20s and I went from living in my favorite neighborhood in Manhattan, which was the Lower East Side. And I was like, man, this is going to be a fun time to living deep in Brooklyn, like towards Brownsville in an apartment that had cockroaches and mice in it. And I had to do that for almost a year while I was going through that process because that's how budgets work. And think about when you're going through this process, try to have empathy for yourself one year from today, three years from today, five years from today, and think about what that future person is going to want. Also think about what you wanted one year ago, three years ago, five years ago, and then think about what you want today. That will give you a good idea of what direction you're going in. And are you going in the right direction or are you zigzagging too much? Because you can actually start to plot that out because it's a time-based question that you're asking, well, what did I want five years ago? What do I think I want five years from today? What do I want now? Am I trending upwards? Am I staying flat? Am I going down? (laughs) Was I up here? Now I'm down here and now I'm going to be somewhere here. So That'll give you a good idea about your direction in life. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am gaining so much wisdom from this episode. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I I could probably pick your brain for literally hours, but we are going to wrap up every episode. I end on the same question. So I would love to hear what is one skill that you're currently working on? So I think right now I'm in the process of I'm going back down the stack. And what that means is that you're going to find out, and later on, this will become apparent to anyone who comes down this journey, where a lot of individuals are seeing that the money is in web development, or the money is even in being like a content engineer working on like some WordPress, WordPress website, content management system. Further down the stack, we have things like file systems, operating systems, And I'm learning more about that. My goal is going to be moving from being a product-focused engineer to being a more infrastructure-focused engineer. 
and I want to learn more about distributed systems. I want to learn more about how file systems work. I want to learn more about database internals. And I want to make sure that I'm the engineer whose code it is that other engineers are using. I want to become that type of engineer, and that's how I want to position myself over the course of the next decade. I think that there's a huge opportunity in the developer tooling space, and I think that's that's where I'm going to focus myself on. And maybe I might even have the opportunity to become part of the core team of one of the frameworks that 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 other software engineers write their code with. So that that's kind of like one of my goals over the course of the next decade. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited for you. And I you. can't wait to hear where that journey takes you and where you end up being in the next decade. I feel like we need to do like a, where are they now on the podcast in a yeah, couple where of years. Are they now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Jai. I really appreciate you being on the show. For those listening, if you're currently in a boot camp or recently graduated, I highly recommend following Jai on Twitter for career tips and resources. And as always, all those links and resources, books, everything we mentioned are linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me. And anyone, my my DMs are open on Twitter. You can, like, anyone is able to DM me. You don't have to follow me and you can just ask me any question in the world and I will do my absolute best to help. My goal 50 years from today, I'm hoping that I will have built a school And I really want to help everyone get dignity. And I I think everyone should have dignity in their work. So don't hesitate to reach out to my favorite thing in the world to teach. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time where we'll continue blossoming together. Mm